for me, it, it helped me realize what my biggest fear was. Like, I stayed at that job for so long because I feared not having a job. I didn't know what it was like to wake up and be unemployed or not have a job or not get a salary, not having insurance. That was my biggest fear. I feared what it would be like. And I think once I got let go, like, okay, I'm, I'm scared to survive. And I didn't hit the ground crying. I didn't, I didn't faint. You know, I, I still held my head up pretty high. And... To me, that was exhilarating. Like, I got over something that had held me in fear for so long. for tuning in to Dreamcatchers, where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dream. Are you ready? So tonight we are going to be hearing from Cass Smith. Now, Jerome was kind enough to send us all some information earlier to talk about what we're going to hear. He shared a clip of him lurking on Facebook, he called it, and found an exchange. And so tonight I am anxious to hear Cass talk about, you know, how to get rid of excuses and slapping fear in the face and knocking out goals. And so I'm going to turn this over to Cass um, to, to share a story with us. Okay, no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> how y'all doing, first of all? Jerome, my post about conversation I had with my fiance. A little background information about me. I'm a wholesaler from Richmond, Virginia. Been doing real estate full time for about two years now. I want to break the ice on one thing. I'm a little nervous as far as doing this. So I just want to get that out the way now so I can get over that little nervousness. And I'm only nervous because I'm comparing it to one time in almost two years ago when I had led a call and I did all of this research or what felt like I did research for hours and my whole talk lasted like 15 or 20 minutes and it was supposed to be an hour talk. So that's really what I'm comparing it to for me to say that I'm nervous. But I think I'll do good just kind of talking about the subjects that I did speak about in that Facebook post. Like I said, I'm a wholesaler. I've been doing that for two years. I've To me, I'm not just a real estate investor. I think of myself as a serial entrepreneur. From the time I got my first job at 14, like the very first check I got, I bought three old rusty vending machines from my uncle, and I thought I was going to get rich off of them. I went through the whole spill of cleaning them up and going to Sam's Club and getting bulk candy and things like that. I had my machine stocked, and then I learned that I was scared to go even ask the business owners if I could put those machines in their establishment. So my first business, it really failed before I even 
kind of had got my foot into it. But that was the first time that I learned that you can have these things in your mind that you fear you're going to do, but fear can really, like, paralyze you if you if you let it, because that's, that's all I did. I just let it paralyze me to the point where, in my mind, I physically was saying, I already know these people are going to say no, so why would I ask them and get the humiliation on top of, you know, everything that was going on? So started with doing that, and every, I mean, every job I've ever had, I've never been very good at it. I'm always the type of employee that I will do the job well, but I always find shortcuts to do it. So, like, quota-wise, I would definitely hit your numbers, but you're liable to walk past my desk and see me surfing the Internet or selling things on eBay or researching real estate. I've always been that type of employee. Like, I've always felt like some of my bosses have kind of looked at me as this kid is just here to get a check and he doesn't really care what's going on. And it's kind of burned me before, but sometimes it's kind of helped my bosses see the potential in me and they kind of didn't fire me because they they knew I was there for something uh, larger. Going back, like I said, I started doing with the vending machines. I've always been in the business because my grandmother has been an entrepreneur. From the time I was little, even though she just cleaned houses, but she's always worked for herself. Like I said, I've never known my grandmother to punch anyone's clock. So it's just always been instilled in me the confidence that I can make money on my own. She used to tell me every morning when I left the house, you know, do your best. Don't take any wooden nickels. Don't let anyone get over on you. So I've always had that in me to, if a job is going to pay me X, Y, Z an hour, I know they're making a lot more on the back end. So that's why it kind of helped me not be the best employee at some jobs. But for 15 years, I played it safe and did the whole corporate thing. Uh, I thought I had it made because I had got a job working for a big bank mortgage company. Things kind of shifted when the market shifted, and I was downsized, but I was happy because I wasn't let go. And then I ended up getting let go. So a company that I had worked for for 15 years, and I think maybe two years as a temp, they pretty much treated me like they didn't know. I had my boss just walk me out of the building on both sides with everything that I've ever had in my desk in a box. So that, to me, ended the typical American dream thing as far as getting a good job on the college and things like that. So when I was let go, I kind of took any job because I was in – entrepreneurial mode. Like I knew any job that I took, I knew it wasn't going to last long. Like I took all kinds of jobs. I worked janitorial. I cleaned toilets. Like I did pretty much any job that you could name of at some point. I, I was this guy that went from sitting at a desk for 15 years, never breaking a sweat, to I was doing the most labor-intensive jobs, but I didn't have a problem doing it because I didn't feel like I owed that employer any of my time other than the what they were paying me for on that task. So I ended up doing that for a while but didn't know exactly what my calling was. And I met a guy in business who ended up being like a, my unofficial mentor. He was the one that pretty much instilled in me that whatever you want to do in life, you can kind of will the things to you. He was the one that showed me that your thoughts really are things and they're powerful things. And he made me understand that but a lot of times our conscious will say things that is not the most encouraging things to us. And we say that our conscious protects 
when I mean it is our conscious protecting us. Your conscious is only made to give you either fight or flight. So I learned that the whole fight or flight mechanism is not your conscious that you think is going to protect you from living out your dreams. It's really just cut and dry. It really wants to wants to protect you from the programming that you put in your mind, and it could be from people telling you this job may not work or you should go to school and get a good job. or it, it, A lot of it comes from just the conditioning that we've been around. It's been things that have been said to us that our, our subconscious picks up and it will relay those things to us that we think it's our conscious telling us, look, I'm going to protect you, don't do this or don't do that. When really it's just going to tell you the same thing over and over. So I met that mentor. He made me realize that fear was not real and in addition to him working with me every day, going over things like that, he gifted me a ticket to a Tony Robbins event. I'm not sure if anyone is familiar with them, but he has an event called Unleash the Power Within. So to me, that was a turning point for me. It was one of the pivotal things in my life because at the end of that week-long seminar, you go through so much. But the biggest takeaway is that fear is not real and it's a mental thing. And they test you at the end because they put a, a trail of hot coals on the ground. It sounds crazy. I tell some people, and they say I was crazy for doing it. You, re, you literally have to walk across the hot coals. But it's one of those things where if you can mentally put it out your mind and you're not fearful, the coals are a lot cooler than you may think. So actually the people that, in, that have gotten hurt in the past is because for some reason they slowed down or they didn't have faith and they got scared. But if you look forward and just walk across them, you'll get on the other side and you won't have a single, you won't have anything on your feet. Like you're totally fine. So for me, that was the biggest turning point for me because I, I came back and I had took one job that I sat at for two years, which was the longest job I've had since I was let go from the corporate job. And honestly, I only stayed at that job for two years because I wanted to make my fiance happy. She knew I had been trying to do any type of business for so long. She was like, look, you've been trying, you've been trying. You haven't gotten success yet, so you need to stick with what works. So I started this job for two years, just doing real estate on the side, doing any and every business I could do on the side. So I got back from the seminar, and I put in my two weeks to my boss. I said, look, I'm, I'm not going to stay here much longer. I want to put in my two weeks, and I want to follow my dreams and chase after the businesses that I've been trying to do for the longest time. And I remember the fact that I didn't even tell my fiance I had put in my two weeks. Like a week had went by. And I told her one morning, yeah, I put in my two weeks at my job, so I'm not going to stay there much longer. But it sounds crazy. Like, I completely didn't just quit and not have anything coming in. I had been working on a business that was investing in medical commodities. So the guy that was my unofficial mentor, he was dabbling in the medical commodities, and he was very successful doing it. Like, he was showing me bank statements where he had months where he would make close to six figures net in one month from doing it. So he kind of helped me get over the fear and realizing that I could do the same thing that he was doing. And I quit that job making like $30,000 a year. And I mean, I just completely stepped out on faith. Within like a year and a half, I had made the most amount of money I had ever made. I went from $30,000 to netting like $125,000 in less than two years, just all from this one niche. But one of the biggest takeaways I got from even meeting him is that you can apply a lot of these things to any and everything that you do. Like a lot of times people will let other people around them or they will let their conscience talk them out of things. But I'm a firm believer in if you have an idea or if you feel a certain way, I believe intuition. 
I read a book recently that said things will not pop into your head or come across your path if the universe does not feel that you can do it. But a lot of times you will let other people or your conscious or outside forces kind of let you play like small scale with it. I'm big on going all out. I'm big on chasing goals. I'm big on if you believe you can do it or if you believe you can't do it, you are absolutely right. Why was the corporate release a defining moment for you? Just because since like 14, I knew I did not, I knew I always wanted to work for myself. I'm just one of those people that being an entrepreneur is tough. It's hard, but I love it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I like staying up late. I like waking up early. Like some people get nervous with the ball being in their hands, but I'm like, just pass me the ball. Like I've done this shot so many times in my mind that I know I can sink it. Just give me the ball. Partially from my grandmother. Like I think I dragged my feet. I knew I wanted to quit that, that corporate job like after the first two or three years. Like I'm the type that if you say what you, you typically work for 30 to 40 years and you retire. I never wanted to do that. I never pictured myself retiring from a company. Even with my own businesses, like I have things that I love doing. Like I love doing real estate now, but in 10 years, I see me running a, like a multimedia company, kind of like Gary Vee or something like that. Like I, I love business in that aspect that you're not put in a box. You can do any and everything that comes across your mind, and I just love that about business. So from the jump, I knew I was not going to stay at anybody's job for a long time. I had enough faith in I had enough faith in my ability today. If I really put my all into it, I could make it happen. Did the layoff make you feel like you had to do your own thing at that point, or I mean, did you hunt for other jobs? Or like uh, what? I kind of, I kind of did. I dragged my feet, but I did find other jobs. But for me, it, it helped me realize what my biggest fear was. Like I stayed at that job for so long because I feared not having a job. I didn't know what it was like to wake up and be unemployed, or not have a job, or not get a salary, not having insurance. That was my biggest fear. I feared what it would be like. And I think once I got let go, like okay, I'm I'm still surviving. I didn't hit the ground crying. I didn't I didn't faint. You know, I I still held my head up pretty high, and. To me, that was exhilarating. Like, I got over something that had held me in fear for so long. Yeah, you did. I, I was just thinking through it because I, I got to do a talk later this week, and I'm sure that's going to come up with the, you know, how do you make the transition from a steady paycheck to not knowing when you're going to get Yeah, I have friends that I talk to about that. For me, like, when I talk to them, I tell them just simply break down what you make like, don't look at the, the yearly salary because a lot of people look at, I make X, Y, Z a year, but they're not, you know, they're not factoring in taxes, which takes a chunk of it out. They're not factoring in some things. I think if you actually, um, I listened to one of your calls and the guy said he reduced his debt. Like, I, I live below my means because I'm, I'm comfortable with not having a, a brand new car. I have a house. That's the biggest thing that I have. I feel like I owed it to my son and my fiance for us to get a house. But I don't go out and do too many crazy things, but that helps me stay within my comfort zone. So it's a lot easier when you can eliminate debt and not go out and run up debt. You, If you break it down per hour, you actually can kind of replace that a little easier. Like when I had left my job, the, the second one that I, that I actually quit gave back to the boss. I had been doing the side job, which was investing in medical supplies. So I would leave from that job sitting in there making $14 an hour. But 
I could leave that job and go do three hours worth of the side business from the medical commodities, and it actually was more than what I made at that job. When you can kind of break things down to, like, what you actually need to survive and get by and have extra money, and you get that bottom dollar amount, it makes it a little easier to focus on that amount to get you the freedom. And then when you get the freedom, you can add on to that to be able to really live how you want to live. So I tell anyone, just break down the bare necessities, what you need, figure out how you can make your business pay you that amount at the very minimum. Because I I think if you work for yourself and you're sitting at home for 40 hours, but you have free time to keep doing other things, like you should be fine with that. Like I have times where I'm sitting at home all day and I may not make a dollar that day from my side businesses, but Everything is still fine. The lights are going to be paid. Still got food in the refrigerator. So I take the good days with the bad days, but I also just, it makes it easy when you just break it down like that. Like I think a lot of people think of the larger number, but if you break it down, it makes it a little easier to transition to what you really need. And then a lot of side businesses play, pay well. Like just selling things like merchandise online. Like I'm big on making money on the internet. I, I love the fact that I can find the right product that people are already researching and I can find that product for cheaper and then use the internet to get that product in their face. To me, the best feeling is to be able to make money while sitting at home. It's a little easier if you can learn things like the internet, algorithms, how things like that work. Appreciate that. Right. No problem. My three biggest lessons, learning that thoughts are things. Like we literally can will things to us just by having certain thoughts and we could push things out of our life by having certain thoughts. Like I really, a lot of people sleep on the thoughts that go through your head. Like I learned recently that we have, I want to say 20,000 thoughts go through our head on a daily basis. And probably 75% of those thoughts are thoughts that you had yesterday. So that's always the case. So that's why every day I'm big on rituals. Like I wake up my morning, I'm big on meditating. I'm big on going to YouTube or finding a book. I'm finding anything that is about self-development. The guy, my unofficial mentor, told me, your mind is it's like a garden. If you don't plant the right seeds in it, weeds will automatically pop up in it. And I have days where if I miss meditation or if I wake up and I'm, from the time I wake up, I have to run out the door and do this and do that. If I don't get that self-development in it, like towards the end of the day, I start. To, I don't feel as easy about things as I normally do. So I'm, I'm real big on rituals. Like if you break down some of the most successful people, like they really do the most boring tasks over and over and over. But it, it, it's what pays off. Like if it works for you, don't switch it up. Another lesson is faith can really move mountains. To me, that's big because I have literally had jobs where I've had to wake up at 3 in the morning to go clean toilets. And I've told my fiancé and some family members, I've had mornings where I've cried before I went in the building because I'm like, I can't figure out how I can transition from this to where I knew I deserved to be. That's always been my thing. I have to have a, a certain expectancy with everything. Like, my fiancé tells me things kind of work out in my favor sometimes, but it's only because... I expect the best. No matter what happens, I expect the outcome to be good, and it, and it works for me. And a lot of times, if it doesn't work for me, the underlying reason is because it's something that was not supposed to be given to me, and in a sense, that protected me as well. So that still was something that I, I needed to definitely have in my life. Another takeaway, fear is not real. Like I kind of explained earlier, um, it's all conditioning in your mind that's telling you 
don't do that, don't do this, this is wrong, you know, this is right. If you can get away from um, considered limited beliefs, like just the conditioning, that things that people have taught us, that's called a limited belief. And a lot of times it's, it's honestly not real. It's just what someone has put upon us or has told us repeatedly, and it makes us think that it's real when in actuality it's how they feel about things or how they've been affected by certain things in their life. I'm big on not letting anyone, I mean, I listen to a lot of people, but I'm big on keeping what I do listen to very limited. Like as soon as it kind of goes in the direction that I know I don't believe in, I'm able to kind of like close my ears. Like I don't really listen to it. And I can tune back in when things kind of go in another direction. But for me, it helps me to not listen to anything negative, anything fearful. You know, I just look at it how it is. If, if I do have times where I feel fearful, I kind of just step back and look at the good and the bad. One of the exercises that I learned from going to the Tony Robbins event is called the Dickens Effect. Um, I think it comes from the Scrooge play where he was visited by the, the ghost. I can't remember all of them. I mean, one of the ghosts was bad and showed him all the bad that would happen in his life. But it's an exercise where if you literally think about what you're fearful of and what you think is the worst situation, just sit and think about that. Think about it for five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and sit in that fear and then kind of crawl your way back out of it. Like I used to fear the job. I feared if I left the job, I feared, oh, I would be homeless, I would be foreclosed on, I would lose my house. And in that exercise, I literally broke down and mentally went through everything. Like I was homeless on the streets. But then I backpedaled out of it because I realized no one in my family that loves me would ever let me be homeless on the street. So I feared something that wouldn't even take place. I feared losing my house by missing one or two payments. When the way the mortgages are now is people that have been in the house for eight, nine, ten months. And they have still not put them out. So a lot of the fears that in my mind I thought could happen just like that, it was all, I don't know, it, it wasn't real. It's like I said, fear isn't real. So once I kind of backpedal from that, you shift thinking about all the bad to thinking about all the good that you can get. So that's what helps me. I only think about what I have to gain from something. I prepare that if it does fail, how I'm going to pick myself up. But I think about that for like a second. Other than that, I only focus on what I want out of life and what I'm going to go after and what I'm going to get. If I could go back and change anything, I would just, I would fail faster. At the time when I was 14 and I, I bought the vending machines, I would have did what I had to do to get those vending machines put in someone's establishment, and that probably would have really sparked me to to take be more aggressive with, with any business that I did. Because I I feel confidence is a big thing with anything. I think confidence is big with anything. I think some people that they haven't even worked as hard as they probably could get some of the things they get just because of the confidence. Confidence will carry you a long way. That's why kids sometimes are fearless because they just have a confidence out of this world that I think I could give to the world. I look at myself as kind of like hope for the underdog. I've always been the type that have, has felt for the longest that I could try Ten things, and nine of them wouldn't work, and the tenth one would work for maybe two months, and then it wouldn't work. Like, I failed on so many things that I couldn't even count all of it. But I'm happy that I, I can look at things like that and keep going. People with the overnight success thing, like, it's crazy because it literally takes so much time before opportunity and preparation really meet. And 
to everyone, you're doing good, but they don't see some of the, the sleepless nights and things that you could put into it. One of my dreams that I want to chase, I'm focused on being one of the biggest wholesalers across a couple of markets by 2019, 2020. Then I really want to get into urban development. I'm big on systems and things like that. God, like I said, I'm big on being an entrepreneur, but I don't want to be an entrepreneur that works 60 and 70 hours a week. Like I understand the difference between running a business and owning a business. And I, I really want to own businesses. Like everything that I'm doing now, I want to figure out that exact system and then get it to work for me. I think anyone should do that if they're trying to get into a business. Like you should try to – the goal should be to get your time back and make what you want to make. My secret, like I said, my secret to me is I thrive off of being the underdog. I love having to show my worth when it comes to business. I love just everything about not getting the accolades or getting some of the awards that some people feel they should get. I, I thrive off of you know, just seeing people getting awards for things that I may have told them about or things that I kind of have been on for a while, that just lets me know I'm really on the path to doing some bigger things. Uh, and it was their time to get accolades for that, but I deserve accolades for something bigger. Like I always, I always factor that into it. But like I said, I, I love being the underdog. And like I said, biggest takeaway I would love for anyone to get is just to realize that Fear is not real. If you really want to do something, first of all, you have to, you always have to write it down. Like a lot of people sleep on writing down goals, but I'm a big believer in if it's written down, that makes it real. Like I, I seriously have notebooks with maybe some of the same things in it. Like I found a notebook the other day where I literally wrote on four pages back to back. I made $20,000 this month. And it blew my mind because I've done that a couple of times since I've written that for five or six pages before. But everything that I've written down, I have either come across it or it's within my reach, and I may not get it because I see the bigger picture of it, but I'm a firm believer in writing down goals. I don't believe in excuses. To me, I think excuses is fear or self-doubt creeping in. I mean, I have my times where I'll – set the mark for something and I don't hit it, but you'll never hear me say, oh, I didn't hit it because of this or I didn't hit it because of that. Like I can honestly say I didn't hit, hit it because I just did not do the work that I thought was required to get it, and I always recalculate. So let's go with fear is if, yeah. if I adopt your, your hypothesis. Right, mm -hmm. your thesis. I fear rejection. I fear, I fear failure. To me, those you things fear are real. fear failure? Yeah, absolutely. But is, it, is it not your perception of it, though? Is it not? To me, I think when someone says they fear something, it's how they're looking at it. Like, to you, something you may think is fearful, someone else may say, oh, that's not fearful. I do that every other day. So that's why I think fear is more so in the mind of the person and how they're looking at a certain thing versus a, a physically real thing that if everybody came across this, they would be scared, like a, like a tiger. If everyone walked to a cage with a tiger, man, everyone would be fearful of it. But if you say you fear rejection, you fear failure, why do you fear that? It's, it's, it's something underlining with it. You get what I'm saying? That's what, yeah, I, why, what I mean by it. It's your perception yeah, it of what pain. you think is. Yeah, okay. So fear triggers pain to you. So, okay, I mean, that's, that's valid. That's understandable. I mean, even going back down to that, we can figure out why 
you feel that it's something that's painful. It may have been something that may have been learned. It may have been something that you witnessed or seen. But it's not the same as like a, a hot oven, and if you touch it, you're going to instantly feel the ramifications of it. One of the biggest things that I wish I could change is when I made a lot of that money, I did foolish things with it. Like to me, I'm not big on money. Like if I get money, I'm not going to do crazy stuff. Like I'll, I, I will give money to my family. I'll buy my son anything. I'll buy my lady anything. And I'm still content just wearing the same old jeans. You know what I'm saying? Things like that. So the money aspect of it, I kind of don't value that. I love giving it away. I love helping my family. I love seeing people. I love, you know, just helping people in general. So, I mean, he gifted me the ticket. Well, I don't think it was like a 1000 He's a platinum member, so I think he paid like $75,000 to have private coaching. Not even private, because it will be like 50 of them, but Tony Robbins would send them on special retreats at his uh, resort in Fiji and all these different little things. I mean, I, I get value in stuff like that because if you're one of those persons that may need a push and if this is the push that's going to get you completely comfortable with being uncomfortable, because to me that's where everything that you want, being uncomfortable is right behind that. Like I've never had really good days where I've just been completely comfortable my, normally my, my best days are when it started out kind of crazy and I've just been on edge and uncomfortable the whole day, but I've learned to kind of embrace that because I know I, could, I can make it go either way with being uncomfortable. So I, I kind of love being uncomfortable. So how did you cultivate that? Because, I mean, like being a wholesaler, you guys go through rejection after rejection. You know, you send out mail and you get 2% response on the stuff you send out, like, I, get, you... a better, I get a better rate than 2%. They get a 2% rate. Right? <laughs> no, nah, but I know what you mean. I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't, it, it doesn't bother me at all. I know that's part of it. In the grand scheme of things, I know I have to go through that to get to where I want to be. So, I mean, I think that's a valuable lesson with any business. Like, if you can learn to deal with rejection and still expect the best, like, I don't know too many people that are successful that aren't super optimistic, which to me is what you can, what you can learn from dealing with rejection and keep, you know, keep on going. So I think, you know, being a wholesaler is, is great in that sense that it's, it's helping me with everything. Like I said, I, I want to be, I want to do, like, big things with real estate, and I like that being a wholesaler is like the bottom. Like, we can kind of learn. We can be ground level on some things, and, you know, I, I would love to be able to get land for cheap and then turn it into something that's near the city, and it's like a, a multi-million dollar project for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I get that kicked out of being a wholesaler. I love being a wholesaler. And then if the market shifts, too, I think wholesalers are kind of going to look at a lot more if they're good when the market does shift because, you know, it's going to be like a free fall. Like a lot of people are going to want to get deals consistently, and if we can lock them up for a lot cheaper, then, you know, it's a win-win. So what's the biggest fear that you overcame? Probably losing my, my corporate job because I thought that was the cushion, and for the longest time I thought I was going to always start a business and still work a job or at least work a job up until I could leave, you know, my my up until my business would take care of everything. But things really kind of took off when I just cut the cord. For some reason, I think 
I think Gary V said, he said this like a year and a half, two years ago, and at the time when he said it, I took offense. He said, you're not an entrepreneur if you still have a job. And I was like, that's not true, which in a sense is not. But since I'm 100% full-time, I kind of get that because there's no parachute, and I thrive off of that. To me, that helps me wake up at 4 o'clock every morning, and it helps me stay up till 11 o'clock every night. Like, it's no parachute. I have to go all in or it's not guaranteed to work. And when I switched to going all in, that's when I, I, I legitimately made the most money off of my passion than I've ever made in my life. So you you don't think you would have had the same income had you stayed in your job? <laughs> no, no. Only because, I mean, honestly, I didn't. I tried college twice. The first time, I completely took it for granted, so I didn't do good. The second time, when I was serious, I went to college. But my mother had lost her job, so I said, okay, well, I'm not going to go to school. I'm going to work so I can help my mother with, you know, bills and things like that. And then as time went on, I just, I don't know, I never I never got into it. I mean, I, I, in my mind, I seriously wanted to go to VCU, take up engineering, but then two things stopped me. I didn't have VCU money, and I didn't have the grades to get any type of awards or scholarships or anything to go to school for engineering. So, I mean... I don't know. I mean, I felt like that path kind of had laid it out to me. And in a sense, I'm I'm glad everything happened for a reason because I have some family members that make $100,000 a year from their nice, steady job, but they hate it, and they've been wanting to do their own thing for so long, and it can be a crutch sometimes. And I think I'm glad I didn't have a good job that paid me so well that I was fine, like, you know how they say a job sometimes can pay you to, to not follow your dreams. I'm glad I didn't have a job that paid me enough to not follow my dreams. Yeah, I call that the golden handcuffs, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. You build that lifestyle up because you're used to that income. You know the check's coming every other Friday or once a month, and yeah. now you're stuck. And that's how I, I had got a taste of that when I when I worked for the bank. We At the time before the, the market crashed, we could work unlimited overtime. So I'm working 60 hours a week like it's 40 hours a week. I went out and got me a 2006 car. I mean, 2000, what was it? 2008 car right before in 2007. So I'm living the life because I'm making all this money. But then when things shifted and I could only work 40 hours a week, I saw how much I really made. And it was not enough to pay $600 for a car like at one time I could. So I went from feeling like the man driving this nice fancy car to I have to park it um, on the opposite side of my complex because I haven't paid the bill in two months. But, you know, I got to pay rent and I got to pay this and I got to pay that. So, I mean, I've had both sides of it. I mean, I kind of look at it like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I've, I've seen both, all sides of it. Well, first, thank you for sharing your story. I think what you guys are offering Many of us see it as very valid and people getting comfortable in their positions and, you know, not venturing out to follow their dreams because, you know, you feel like what you have, as long as you, you know, meet the quota and nothing dramatic happens, you have kind of like, you know, that sure money and um, yeah. kind of have to get out and beat the streets and do it on your own if, if you if you don't feel like you know what you're doing or if you don't feel like you have the right support or, you know, the mentors in place uh, can be very scary. So yeah. I, my question is, 
you know, how did you come up on this mentor? Because that seemed to, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you, you had that entrepreneurial spirit even as early as 14, so you always kind of recognized that you needed to do some other things. But how did you come across this person? And uh, because that seemed to be the push that you needed to continue to walk in the path that you were already heading towards. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. I couldn't even tell you originally how I came across them, but I will say that if you genuinely put things out in the universe, I'm learning this after, after the fact, I'm realizing how big this is. But if you really put things out in the universe and you have faith, and if you kind of make some effort daily to get it, I think you're going to find the right mentor. Like the saying, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Like I said, I couldn't tell you how I met him, but I know I was doing, I was in this business by myself trying to learn. I came across this guy. He told me one or two things. I took his advice, and he saw that I took his advice. I think he really saw that I was passionate about going after more. Like I was very, and I'm the type that, like if I come across someone, but success leaves clues. So if I can be in a room with someone, to me, that that's the biggest thing. If you know you want to do something, try to find someone that's doing it, that's successful doing it, and be in a room, like whatever you got to do, be in the room with them. That's how you can find a mentor, now that I think about it. That's how you can find someone that is going to see something in you to where they will give you information or they'll help you or they're willing to just let you pick their brain. Um, even though I, I know a lot of people actually do that now, and they may not take the information that you'll give them. That's the first step to find a mentor. To me. Whatever you want to do, whatever field you want to find, what room those people are in, and try to get in that room and just talk to them. Because a lot of people that are doing it, they, they honestly really want to help. Like, that's the biggest thing that I've learned from successful people is that they don't want to waste their time. But if they have someone who really wants to learn, they don't mind teaching you or sharing what they know. And I haven't had to pay for any of it. Some people even pay for it, and I've just been blessed enough to where I haven't had to pay for, you know, this type of knowledge from people. I don't know if they see something in me, the fact that um, I'm very persistent, which I think that helps me. I'm the type that if I ask a mentor a question and they may not get around to answering it for me, They'll see me a week later and see that I figured out that next step and I'm on to the next, you know, the, the step above that. And I've had people reach out to me just because they saw that I didn't take excuses. I didn't say, well, I reached out to this mentor and they didn't answer my, my text message or they didn't call me back. I understand everyone is busy. If I ask a question and you can't get to me, that's fine. I'm going to figure it out and ask someone else, and then I may ask you the next step. So you may notice that this guy asked me to step about A, and then he disappeared, and then he came back and asked me to step about B, and then I didn't ask for a name, and then he came back with, you know, step on C. I'm saying, okay, this person is really making some growth on his own, so I have no problem helping him get to the next level. So that's how I have been lucky enough to find a mentor. I, mean, I haven't broken it down to, like, specific things, but I think that's the first step. Find whatever room those people are in that are doing what you really want to do and get in that room. No, I mean, that's, you know, I, I throw this out time and time again. It's the pushing a car down the road story that my mom told me where, you know, if you start pushing a car down the road, people will get out and help you. If you're sitting there with the flashes on, that car is going to sit right there. That's true. That's true. 
Dad, you just said everything I said in one little analogy. <laughs> but yeah, that's true. That's exactly what I meant. You start pushing pushing the cart, people are gonna pop out and they're gonna help you. But you gotta push so they can know they're not, you know, wasting their time helping someone who won't go further with it. So for a person sitting on the edge of their seat and trying to make this decision whether or not to jump out there, what do you say to them? I'm big on testing out stuff. Like I will test out things constantly, like everything I've ever stepped out on. I say stepped out and quit my job, yada, 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 but I, I, I honestly didn't just quit and then wake up the next day like, okay, what can I do? I I put in the time. That one business that I said where I was making more in a couple of hours when I would get off than I made sitting at the job the whole day, but I've had times where on my lunch break, I have to run out and do those same transactions to turn the income on the job. I've had to wake up before my job to do some of the business to do it. So I always test out things. Like I'm, any business that you want to do, you have to test it out. You have to do market research. If you want to be successful, like I have uh, family members that want to do certain things. Like I have one, right now I have one cousin that's making T-shirts. He told me he wants to do 100 T-shirts and then start selling them. But I said, why? That's a big overhead. Why would you not make 10 of the shirts and see how they sell before you make 100 shirts? But just an example, like I'm big on testing it out first. So if you have an idea, test it out, see if it works, see what feedback you get. Because if it's good, it's going to take care of everything else. Um, Eventually, it's going to replace that income that you want to get away from, but you, you have to test it. I'm big on testing out any and everything. Like I'm a I'm a very strategic entrepreneur. Like I don't to me I don't gamble much. I gamble a little bit, but I'm I'm seriously researching the ins, the outs, the pros, the cons, and everything that I can with what I'm doing. Thank you. I certainly appreciate that. And so I don't think I heard you say this. I, I was about to close, but I do have a question. Of all the of all the businesses that you were involved in, why real estate? I don't know. Real estate seemed to always stick around with me the longest. I got I first bought my real estate, my first investment property in 2008. Me and a guy partnered up. Um, I didn't have the credit. He had the credit, but I had all the hustle and gumption to make the deal work, or so I thought. So we bought this house, and we worked on it for probably three months longer than we should have. And when we finished it up, it was 08, so the market had like tank, like literally like two months before we had finished it up. Like people were not buying like they once were months before. And I think we held on to that property as long as we could. It, it was supposed to be a, a flip, then it went to a rental, then it went to us renting out, renting out by the rooms. But either way, we failed. And I stayed away from real estate for probably like maybe six, seven years after that. I don't know. I've always just loved real estate. I love I love buildings. I love houses. I mean, I just think it's something that people are going to always need. Maybe that's why I've gravitated towards it. I don't ever see real estate not being in demand ever. Okay. And even to go back to it after your first experience. Yeah. You said what made me go back? Yeah, because, you know, it sounds like, do you, uh, have you ever seen um, the uh, Ricky Bobby, the, what is it called, the Ballad of Ricky Bobby? Yeah, I, th- uh, I think so. The Sparrow movie. Yeah, it's got a title. Yeah, it's, it's old, right? Yeah. Live with the fear. You got to live with the fear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I definitely did go back to it. I don't know. I just I, I love real estate. I've always, really, I think since 
playing Monopoly. I've always I, I really want my end game to be like owning hotels and like I said, I'm big. I want to do a lot of urban development. I want to own hotels and things like that. I think, I mean, real estate is a great way to build wealth, and I am really big on creating wealth for my family. Like, I want my son, I want my great-grandkid to still live off of some of the moves that I make, you know. And to me, other than real estate and maybe, you know, maybe like things on the Internet, like it's not a whole lot of things that can produce that type of wealth that I really want to get. So honestly, that's probably why I fell in love with real estate because I knew the end game was a certain amount, and I felt that was the best way to get it. Well, thank you for sharing your story. And to everyone who asked questions, I had to go and find some books and figure out how to, get past the fear and step on out there. Yeah, you got to. Everything you want is on the other side of it. And when you get to that side, you you, you, you question why you didn't do it a lot sooner. I got to come back to you with a report of how I made 2018 great. Okay. <laughs> I, I would love to hear it. <laughs> I would love to. I thrive off of stuff like that. So definitely do that. <laughs> Good deal. I would like to wrap up by saying uh, thank you to you. And to those of you who are on the call, if you like what you heard tonight and you want to learn more about Dreamcatchers, please visit our website at dreamsshouldbereal.com. If you can think of someone who would benefit from these types of opportunities and are willing to share what we're doing with them, we would really appreciate it. Good night. Get it how you live, and that's just what I did. You know I hustle all day and all night, boy. You know I hustle all day and all night, boy.